Um, tonight we're going to talk about fellowship, right? Praise the Lord. Zach just comes for the fellowship. So, I mean, this is, this is his night. I mean, this is awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about biblical fellowship, what it actually is, what it means. Um, there, there are kind of three different facets to us, to it, and uh, we're going to see those. Last week we saw, um, and a, a guy asked Jesus what his, what his favorite verse was, what the, the best, what the greatest verse in all scripture is, and we saw that in Matthew chapter 22. So by way of review, we'll go through a couple of verses here, and then we'll get right into the notes. But Matthew 22 if you don't have it in your Bibles or you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Verse 36 through verse 40 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All right, so Jesus said, not only do I have a favorite, I've got another one. And if you can pull those two off, you don't really have to worry about anything else because everything else hangs on loving God and, and loving others, right? And so we saw last week, man, the number one priority has to be to find the one, and the one is Christ, right? And our focus needs to be on him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and we saw also strength in another passage. And man, we when we do that, God gives us the energy and the desire and the open eyes to see other people in need and to be able to pick them up, right? Because if we, if we reverse that and we try to go put all our focus on people and all of our, our heart into people, man, what are they going to do? They're going to let you down really quick. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to have no energy for anybody else, and you're just going to become bitter. So we need to turn back to Christ, get the energy and the desire and the heart for people from him, and he provides it every time. And so that's what we saw. Uh, if you look at uh, the next verse on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 and 5 says, Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own, soul, own selves to the Lord. So they got this focus right. First, they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So so these guys that Paul is writing to, they, they got it figured out. And then in Galatians chapter 5, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. All right, and we saw a bunch of one another verses a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're going to see some more tonight because Christianity, this, this life with Christ, is a one another thing. Right? It, it is a community thing. It's a together thing. It's not a one-man show. It's not a solo mission. It's, it's all of us together, and that's the way he, he's built it and designed it. Uh, he says, with love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And it, you're probably saying, like, well, that's more than one word. This is like when you hear Moksud. You guys know Moksud? And he says, that's a good word, Pastor. That's a good word, right? It's a whole phrase, but it's a good word. All right, so he's, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you can do that, man, everything else is going to just be okay. But in order to do that, you've got to put it all on Christ first. All right, so that's what we saw last week. Uh, let's go ahead and pray before we get into the, the blanks and stuff on your sheet. Um, if you did not get a sheet, they're on the, the tables back here. We've got pens and stuff. If you want to just follow along by watching me, that's weird, but it's okay too. 
Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, you are awesome. You are incredible that, that you designed this whole thing that, that we would need one another. And you would design this whole thing that if we put all our energy into one another first, we'd, we'd get it all messed up. But as soon as we turn to you, you, you straighten it all out. And you give us balance, and you give us hope, and you give us direction, and you give us the energy and the heart to pick others up. Lord, we're excited about that. We're excited that you give us those opportunities. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about fellowship as, as a family, as a body. And Lord, we just need you to teach us what that is, uh, what's required of us, uh, and how we can do a better job at it. Because we know when we do a great job at that, at loving others, uh, others, you get the glory. And you get the credit, and it's all due your name, Lord. So I just pray that tonight is glorifying to you, um, and that we learn some things, and that our hearts are changed. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so on your sheet, the first blank is family, all right? It's family. And, and you, don't, you don't get to choose family, do you? How many of you have ever been embarrassed by family? Just a little bit, maybe, right? Rachel, come on. That can't be true. <laughs> I, I've got a video. Can you can you play that video for us? No, we're supposed to have sound, but that's even without sound. This is somebody's dad. Woo! Look at that one. And and he's watch. It, he's not done yet. There it is. As if, if it wasn't embarrassing beforehand, watch, he's got one more good move here. See ya! <laughs> he's got some moonwalk in there, too. All right, that's good, you can cut that. All right, it is more fun with the, the audio, but, uh, you know, we don't have it, so whatever. That might have been the blaring sound we heard. Maybe that was the audio. We don't need that audio, so. So uh, how many of you have ever been embarrassed like that? You know, it's embarrassing at first, and then, and then it kind of goes to... Uh, I was kind of impressed, because <laughs> I don't have moves that good. That's why I don't move. Uh, man, this, this Christian life is, is like family. You don't get to, to pick your family. As soon as you choose Christ, you get brought into something amazing. And, and there's all kinds of cool people in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of weirdos in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of guys like that, probably. There's all kinds of guys like me, and it's it's just everybody and anybody that accepts Christ becomes instantly family, which is a beautiful thing. Because God does, does not respect people, right? He's no respecter of persons. If you come to him in humility, he accepts you as you are. And, and he wants to change you from the inside. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You just come to him in humility, and he says, that's all I needed. You're my family now. You're my son. You're my daughter. Uh, on your sheet, there's a, a sentence that says, as soon as you give your life to Christ, you become family with Christ and with everyone else who is in Christ. And that may be a scary thing. It's, a, it's an incredibly cool thing if you think about it. If you think about what an awesome thing it is that, that you don't have to be anything special for Christ to accept you as you are. If, if there's changing that needs to happen, he'll take care of that. He'll work on you. He promised that. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life, capital W. There, he's talking about the word of life. That's, that's Christ. 
right? They saw him with their eyes. They, they, they were able to touch him. They, they got to hear him first person. It says, for the life was manifested, it was shown, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, or that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. They keep referring to God as the Father. He's our Father, he's our Heavenly Father. And you can have fellowship with us because you have fellowship with him. Instantly, it, it's an awesome thing. I've, I've gone to several different foreign countries. I've had the opportunity. It doesn't matter if they speak English. If they have the Holy Spirit inside of them, you have an instant connection. You may need somebody to translate what they're saying, but what they're saying most of the time agrees completely with what the Spirit's saying to you. Or all the time it would agree, obviously, if the Spirit's saying it. But man, what, it, what an awesome truth that is, that you're instantly family if you're in Christ. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 1 John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. This is, this is the God that created all the universe, everything that we see around us, and he wants to call you a son or a daughter. And, and some of us have already accepted him as Lord, and he already calls you that. You are already a son and a, or a daughter. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, when you understand what the gospel is, the gospel is, just the fact that Jesus Christ died in your place, right? We were all born sinners. We were born separated from God. Christ knew, God knew that we needed help. So Christ stepped in in our place as the sacrifice to pay for our sins. He, he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again victorious. And when you accept that as fact and you accept him as Lord, he says, I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you. You're gonna become a son or you're gonna become a daughter of mine. And instantly you're in the family. And if you're, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, he says you are a son of God or a daughter of God. So what do you do with family? You're instantly now family. What do we do with family? Hopefully, you pray for your family, right? Everybody's got different family history in here. Everybody's got different levels of, of closeness in relation to their family. Hopefully, you're close to yours. Um, my beard's fuzzing on the thing. The <laughs> my wife's looking at me like, wouldn't happen if you shave that ugly thing off. <laughs> but there's more ugly underneath. Um, my my family's not all that close. I'm close with my mom, uh, but but I've got three brothers that, and we rarely talk. Uh, we love each other. It's just the relationship we have is just not all that close, and and it hasn't been uh, for most of my life. But uh, you should pray for your family. First Thessalonians chapter 1 says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. All right, he didn't just say, you know, we're praying for you in the sight of God. We're, we're praying for you in the sight of God, our Father. Look, we're family. 
We're going to make sure to pray for you. We're, we're never going to forget you. You're family. We're too close to forget you, right? First uh, Timothy chapter 1, it's not going to be on the, the screen. I don't think so. Maybe it is. Which one is that? Hey, all right, it is on there. He says, unto, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So Timothy refers, or it, Paul is referring to Timothy as his son in the faith. He, he kind of raised Timothy in the faith and, and taught him everything he knew and, and brought him up as a leader. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Man, I think of you as a son. I think of you as family. You're, you're my boy. I'm going to pray for you night and day. I'll never forget you. You're family. All right, so what are, what are some other things we need to do with family? Uh, the next point is that we need to meet the needs of your family. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. All right, that's, that's obvious. We should be good people. We should take care of people. He says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We ought to be looking out for one another. We ought to make sure that, that we're taken care of. Romans 12, verses uh, 10, and 10 through 13 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, Check this out, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. We ought to be looking out for one another, shouldn't we? We're family, right? We're in Christ. Now, I understand there's, there's more family than, than you can take care of. And when, when it seems overwhelming, we, we go back to last week's message, and we put it all on Christ, and he, he'll help you understand who needs your help specifically. He'll, under, he'll help you understand how much of your budget needs to go somewhere, He'll help you with those details. James 2, 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? He's saying, look, if somebody comes to you and they don't have clothes or they don't have food, don't just tell them, well, be clothed and, and, and filled. It's not good enough just to tell them <laughs> you want good things for them. If you have good things to take care of them, give them those things, right? Put, put your love into action. Do something for them to benefit them. Uh, the next point, we ought to love our family. And this is, this is one that ought to be obvious, but you know, maybe you grew up, again, not close with your family, and, and you don't know what that's supposed to look like. Or maybe you've gotten a bad picture of what that is. We should love our family. First John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's an interesting phrase. He says you can have assurity, assurance. You can know that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior because of the love that you have for other brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And he know, or ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay our, down our lives for the brethren. How do we know that Jesus Christ loved us? Because he gave everything for us. Right? He laid his life down for us. That's how we know. And he says we ought to do the same thing for the brethren. We ought to be able to put our life second to other people's needs. Right? We ought to be able to put ourselves aside and somebody else first. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him or from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If you see somebody has a need and, and you just refuse to meet it and God's put it in front of you to take care of it, he said, man, that's not the love of God. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Right? So don't just say you love somebody. They're family. If you love them, you're going to take care of them. You're, you're going to put it into action. You're going to show them that, that you love them by taking care of them when they have needs. First uh, Peter 4, verses 8 through 10. Uh, he says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, and charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Like, you know, when you have to do something to take care of somebody, and, and then you grumble about it. They're all the time needing my help. Well, you really, really love them, don't you? <laughs> if you help them grudgingly, and you make sure everybody else knows what a pain they are. Verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He said in that, that verse, charity covers the multitude of sins. The whole list. Love takes care of it. Tell me, tell me you don't need something to take care of the multitude of sins when you're dealing with family. right? Who has more patience with their family than they do an acquaintance at work? Just these two. <laughs> a couple of. Sometimes somebody at work can just drive you nuts. Who has more patience with, with family than they do friends? Normally, your family's going to get the least amount of your patience because they're stuck with you. You know, and you can be edgy and chippy and you you can you can treat them bad and, and tomorrow they're still going to be there. They can't get away. Right? They're family, they're stuck. And he's saying it shouldn't be that way, right? And love will cover the multitude of sins. You know, in the, the list in First Peter chapter 1, that, that's the, the list of the order of spiritual growth. You know, add to, these, add to your faith these things. You know, you're going to add one thing after another after another. Charity, love for all the lost people in the world, comes after brotherly love. I, I personally think that's because it's harder to love people that you think ought to know better than it is to love somebody that doesn't know Christ. It's harder for me to love somebody that, that treats me bad, that knows Christ or claims Christ as their Lord, but doesn't act like it. I have a hard time giving anybody that acts that way my heart. But if somebody just doesn't know Christ, they don't know any better. You can treat me as bad as you want to. I'm still going to reach out to you. I'm still going to love on you. He put it in that order because if, if you can love the brethren sincerely, Give of yourself when somebody that knows better takes advantage of you and you don't go tell everybody. Man, it ought to be easy to love everybody else, shouldn't it? He puts it in order for a reason. All right, so 
family, the family of God is a big, big family. And you can't pray for everybody's needs and you can't take care of everybody at the level you want to. Wyatt, yes. Sorry, I interrupted myself. I was so excited to see Wyatt. So the family of God's so big, you can't be really, really close to everybody. And that's why fellowship includes friends. And that's your next blank. Fellowship is family. Fellowship is friends. And, and it, is, it is necessary to have close friends, especially walking with Christ. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Man, that, I've gone through a lot of years walking with Christ not having somebody like that. And when you do have somebody like that, you, you notice a stark difference in your walk. You notice a, a massive difference in, in the things that you notice that God points out to you that you're, you're you know, following him or not. Now, Proverbs 27, verses 9, I, verses 9 and 10, I think I had on the screen, but we're just going to look at 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Man, if you have somebody that can give you hearty counsel, heartfelt counsel, counsel that, that's true and right for you, man, that's something that rejoices the heart. It's going to help you make wise decisions, right? Your life is going to be better if you have somebody in your life that's helping you to make right decisions according to the Lord. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Am I the only nerd that watches that Forged in Fire on the History Channel? Anybody seen that? It's like, I'm just not interested, and then I'm flipping channels, I'm like, oh, they're making swords. I'll watch that for, oh, they got it on for like four hours in a row. <laughs> she has to come in like, we got to do something. They're making swords on TV. It's awesome. Iron sharpeneth iron. That's how they do it. They, they beat those things. Sometimes it takes a beating for you to get a sharp edge. Sometimes you've got to take it to the grinder. Sometimes you've got to stick it in the, the furnace and melt the junk off, right? And a good friend will help you do that. Somebody that tells you what you want to hear? Probably not. That brings us to the next point. Edify one another. A good friend will edify his friend. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Right, we've seen this word edify when we were in uh, Ephesians in our last study. Edify it comes from the word edifice, or it's related to the word edifice. And edifice is a structure or a building. right? And so to edify, the act of edifying someone is the act of building them up. Right? You're, you're building each other up in Christ. You're helping to, to make each other the structure that God wants you to be. You need a good friend to help you do that. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A true friend is willing to tell you the hard truth about yourself. The kisses of an enemy are when they tell you what you want to hear. That feels good, but it didn't help me. Right? It allowed me to, to think that I was actually okay in my sin. Think about it for a second. Is, is Satan going to tell you the truth about you to encourage you to change, to be more like Christ? There's no way, right? He's going to tell you what you want to hear 
to make you feel good, to pet your fur the right way so that, so that nothing gets your attention, everything's great, the kisses of an enemy. That's betrayal. The wounds of a friend are faithful. How many of you guys know uh, Dean Detweiler? You guys know Dean? Dean owns a local construction company. Um, they, they mostly do block and masonry work. They actually did these walls that, that were inside here. And uh, when they built this building a couple years ago, I work, my office is right over here in the main building, so we would come out every day and be nosy and get in the way and ask dumb questions. It was awesome. And uh, we were learning stuff that we're never going to use, but it was still fun to learn. And uh, there was one day I came out, and you know, the guy was, he was grumbling. He was all upset. And I said, what's, what's the matter, man? He said, ah, Dean was just here, and he's going to make me tear out a whole course of block. Like, there was... There were rows of block all the way along. I mean, it was from end to end. Of course, a block is one, one row, right? And so he was, he was upset. The boss man was here. He didn't like what he saw, and he's having him tear it out. So I thought to myself, that's kind of like us, isn't it? That's kind of like a good friend who's going to come and say, you know what, man? You, you messed up these decisions in your life. I need to help you tear those out. Because if we don't tear those out now, this whole structure is going to be compromised. You're never going to be what the Lord wants to build you into if we leave this course the same. Because this one's out of square, and that one's just a little bit off center. And, and man, if we build on top of that, it's going to be a mess later. You're not going to be the structure that God wants you to be if you don't have a good friend come in and tear a few blocks down every once in a while. It doesn't feel good. It's a lot of extra work. It's a lot of extra time. I already did that. I'm done with it. No, no, man, that's not the way God wants it done. And so I thought, man, that's a really, so I did learn something that I, that I would use. I've never laid any block. I probably never will. But man, a true friend is faithful to wound you when, when your blocks are out of place when your decisions are not glorifying to God. And, and we just read the, the verse, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the counsel, or countenance of his friend. You've got to remove some metal to get it sharp. You've got to beat on it to get it the right shape. You've got to heat it, and nobody likes when the heat is turned up in their life. But it's necessary if we're going to be the building that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the weapon that he wants to use. Another thing we need to do with our, our friends is to serve one another. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man to his, or on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He's not saying be selfish and only think of yourself. He's saying... Or, or covet what other people have. He's saying, look, you should be concerned about what other people are going through. You should look to serve them and lift them up. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, uh, Jesus called them unto him and said, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. My body works different, he says. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And that's what a minister means. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and he, 
and to give his life a ransom for many. So if a, a true friend puts those he considers friends before him or herself. Right? You're, you're looking to, to lift somebody else up and possibly at your own expense, but that's okay because you're willing to do it because they're a friend. I mean, how, how many of you have a friend that you can confront and they can take it? I don't know if that's me, actually. How many of you have a friend that, that can just take that? It's hard to take when somebody points out sin in your life. Romans 15, 1 through 7, it says, We then, that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded, like Christ-minded, one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye, might, that ye may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. He says that we would be like-minded toward one another to Jesus Christ, or in Christ. We would have a mind like Christ had. We would serve one another like Christ served us. Right? We would be like, not, not that we would just think like each other, we would be like-minded like Christ, ready to sacrifice for those that we love. Uh, good friends are able to forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Colossians 3.11-13, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We're all family, we're all in this together. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, that's holding each other up, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. All right, so if, if you have relationships in your life that you value, you need to figure this forgiveness thing out. It's going to be really important. It's probably already been really important to relationships that you value, right? Because what happens is we, we put a whole lot of weight on one another. We put a whole lot of expectations on one another, and it's guaranteed that we can't carry that for each other all the time. We're, we're going to let each other down. We're going to be selfish sometimes. We're going to be oblivious often. That's, that's mine. I'm oblivious way too often, and there are things that I miss, and I end up hurting somebody's feelings. Right? Forgiveness in a relationship that matters is key. It, it's necessary. And he says, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So, name something, anything that a friend can do that you can't or won't or shouldn't forgive. Because you've got to do it as Christ forgave you. I mean, what did he not forgive you of? Oh, he forgave it all, didn't he? He wiped the slate clean, didn't he? And forgiveness is not a process. We like to think, you know, I'll, I'll get over it and I'll forgive someday when I get there. And, you know, 
You may need to take a process to figure out something, but, but forgiveness is a decision. Right? You decide that you love somebody, and you prove it by the things you do. You decide if you forgive somebody, and you prove it by the things you do. And, and forgiving and forgetting are not the same thing. If you remember what they did to you, you say, no, I also remember that I forgave that person, and I moved on from that. I choose not to remember that sin. Okay, it was there. They did bad to me. It pops up. It still hurts. But I also remember forgiving. If you've got a meaning, meaningful relationship, if you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother, man, it's, it's worth figuring that forgiveness thing out. And the third thing that we are together as in fellowship is fellow laborers. That's your next blank. Fellow laborers. Not all that easy to say. Fellow laborers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Right? The, the, the word of God is, con, is uh, compared to a seed. So Paul's planting the seed, the word of God. Apollos is watering by sharing the word of God. And God is giving the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. We are laborers together with God. Right? Not just together with God. Together, all of us, together with God. He says, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. If you don't know anything about or much about the, the King James Bible, the you, the ye, anytime there's something that starts with a Y, it's, it's talking plural, right? If he's talking to an indiv individual, he's going to say thou, right? The ones that start with a TH, that's, that's the individual. He's, t he's saying ye, he's saying you all. That's the T county, y'all, yens, something like that. T County is y'all, yens, whatever. He's saying, ye are God's husbandry. That's a farmer. Ye are God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have, given, I have laid the foundation, another, another buildeth thereon. But lever, lever, <laughs> let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. All right, so we're working together in this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not equally, unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? All right, he's saying, you're supposed to be working together as Christians. You're not supposed to be working with, with the lost world. You're not heading the same direction. You're not plowing the same field. This uh, equally yoked is, is talking about oxen. That's the big thing that holds two oxen together. It holds them over their necks, right? The, the world is heading one direction. We're heading the opposite direction. You can't be yoked and working on the same thing, you're not going to be accomplishing anything. But we as Christians, we're supposed to be yoked together. We, we labor together in several different things. On your sheet, we labor together in the gospel. Philippians 1.5 says, Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. We labor together because of the gospel, and we labor together in efforts to share the gospel. We need to get the message out so God's family can get that much bigger. Uh, we labor together in truth. 
Acts 2.42 says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or teaching, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. The things we need to be unified and working together on is the truth. Doctrine, it takes work to learn the word of God. It takes work to be unified on the word of God. We labor together in hardships, is your next blank. Labor together in hardships. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Now, each of us individually are going to be made conformable unto his death. He, he promised that he was going to mature us. He was going to grow us. All the, the trials that life are going to bring with or without God in your life, they're going to come, but he promised through those trials to make it all work for good. Right? He promised through those trials that, that he was going to be there. And the way that he is there for you and I is each other a lot of times. Now, we can, we can come to his word and he can bless our hearts and he can give us peace based on his promises and that is the go-to place. But sometimes he picks you up with somebody else. A lot of times he has picked me up with a brother in Christ. Right? He uses us to get us through our hardships. Uh, we labor together in righteousness. 1 John verse one, or chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, it, it says that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is righteousness and in God there is no sin at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we walk in sin, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Our connection to righteousness, right? it's something we've got to work on. <laughs> because your flesh, we've seen in previous weeks, your flesh wants what your flesh wants and it's fighting against you. And man, it's just a whole lot easier to work together, to labor in righteousness if, if we're laboring together. If you've got somebody to hold you accountable. If you're honest enough with somebody and they can be honest with you. You can hold each other to righteousness. You can provoke one another unto love and unto righteousness. We'll wrap up with a couple more verses. First Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 8-10 through 10 says, Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We saw this verse earlier. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Right, he says every, every man has received the gift or as every man has received the gift. How did we receive the gift of salvation? 
Did you have to do something to earn it? No, no we said earlier, he, he gives it to us as we are. We come in humility, recognizing that we can't do anything to achieve it. We can't earn it. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift of grace. It's a free gift. There's, there's no cost, which I think I have a, a screenshot. Do you have that screenshot? Okay, this was as I was typing out my notes, trying to think through things. Those two lines underneath a free gift, that's the Microsoft Word telling me, hey, dummy, that's a redundant statement. You see what the correction is? Just a gift. Duh. <laughs> All gifts are free, right? Microsoft knows that. This, he says to give this thing the way that you got it. And you got it, you can see in my other notes there, you got it freely, and you got it through sacrifice. And he says we ought to be willing to give that to others the same way. Can you give the gift of the gospel to somebody? Can you give it when it costs you something? Or do you only give it when it gives you something? Because a lot of times it takes a lot of work to get somebody to recognize what an awesome thing God's done for them because they can't see through life. There's too much going on. There's too much mess. Let's go to the last verse, 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that seems a very obvious statement. And it's got the word fellowship in there, so I had to put it in this study. But, man, relationships are all kinds of difficult to maintain, aren't they? Especially the ones that matter. Especially the ones that are making you more like Christ. Satan doesn't want that. The enemy doesn't want that. Your flesh doesn't want you to be more like Christ. Because the more like Christ you are, the less it gets of what it wants. Relationships are hard work. But he says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. He's faithful in that too. He has called you into this. He knows that it's difficult, but he also knows that what you need is relationships. So you can't quit on them. You got to work, right? You got to forgive. You got to try. <laughs> you got to say the hard stuff. Right? You got to confront sin and stand for righteousness. Never forget that God has called us to the body of Christ and he is going to continue to build into us and make us the men and women that he desires us to be. Also, don't forget that he's going to use relationships to accomplish that. He's going to put people in your life that are hard to love and hard to pick up. Man, this this world has a lot of broken people. I've said this before. If you're going to pick up broken people, you're probably going to get cut. If you're going to pick up messy people who are making messy decisions in their life, you're probably going to get messy. And we go back to last week, and we need to turn to Christ for the energy and for the direction and the focus because he's going to give it. He's going to provide it. He is faithful by whom you were called, right? He called us to this thing. He didn't call, it, call us to it because he knew we were capable. <laughs> he knew he was faithful, and he'll get us through. We got one more song. Let's go ahead and pray while those guys are coming up. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you that we have fellowship, and 
and that it's, it's worth working on. We need close friends. We need brothers and sisters to challenge us, to encourage us, to call us out when we need it. Um, and we need to be focused on them rather than ourselves. We need to be able to love sacrificially. We need to be able to serve and, and think of others, Lord. And it's, it's all hard work. Uh, that's why we need your help. We're so thankful that you're faithful to, to provide that help and give us the direction. We love you so much. We pray that this last song is uh, glorifying to your name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.